You're listening to the Unhelded News and Review and Pharisee Watch brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths. Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. On today's podcast, Pharisee Watch, we've got a really provocative title here. This is a piece by Chuck Carlson. It's entitled, The Bin Laden Execution, Fall of the Anti-Christian Empire. Now think about that a little bit. It'll become obvious as Leslie reads that for us. Leslie, would you please read the Pharisee Watch? The Bin Laden Execution, Fall of the Anti-Christian Christian Empire. Charles E. Carlson, May 10th, 2011. Sadly, the falling empire is our own, and the bin Laden execution is no small part of our fall. How could citizens of a democracy who watch courtroom justice scenes by the hour and who profess to be Christians possibly understand a deliberate act by our own government whereby an alleged criminal is assassinated? and all physical evidence about that alleged criminal is destroyed and his body is dumped at sea, how can we in a quote-unquote Christian nation comprehend a raid on a leader of another faith where every man with him, unarmed or lightly armed, is systematically executed in front of their wives and children under direct order to do so from those who pretend to be the world's peacemakers? Indeed, as a result of our acts, many wonder if the real bin Laden was even present, for the only direct evidence that he was present is the possible testimony of the women and children who we are told are alive, but without evidence confirming it. I can only wonder, based on what the seals did to the four men, why the ten or more women and children found in bin Laden's compound were not also eliminated. Or were they? We are only told that they were allowed to live, live, that is, in the hands of the Pakistani puppet gang beholden to the U.S. empire for its daily bread. I would not want to be in their shoes. Massacres of this kind are not unknown in history. They are common to despotic regimes, including some in the Middle East. But we in America have held that such criminal executions are beneath our civilization. This one was embellished by such a web of already discounted lies as to make every aspect of it unbelievable. Were we not first told the raiders were engaged in a fierce firefight 
that Bin Laden went down in an exchange of gunfire, that women and children were shot because they were used as human shields, that the compound was a billionaire's mansion command post, that targeted victim was ceremonially buried at sea in Muslim tradition, and that our president observed the entire raid on closed-circuit TV. All these lies, which have already been exposed, were created to justify the execution. There was no armed resistance. Bin Laden's compound contained less guns than the SEALs would find in millions of perfectly legal homes in America, including my own. Only one shot is alleged to have been fired by the resistance, hitting no one. Bin Laden was unarmed and in his nightclothes when he was shot, not once but twice, allegedly, because he did not surrender fast enough. The quote-unquote mansion was a concrete apartment house of modest value. The quote-unquote brave seal shot Bin Laden's wife rather than grabbing her because she quote-unquote charged them. What seal cannot restrain a charging wife in her nightgown without shooting her? Why did they not shoot Osama in the leg? The actual raid was intentionally blacked out on the White House TV to spare the planners in Washington from having to see the carnage. A logical question might be, who has the power to black out the president's TV? That person is the real quote-unquote, president. The obvious conclusion is that the execution was premeditated, and Israel's Haaretz newspaper confirmed premeditation in an interview with a highly placed U.S. insider who asserted first-hand knowledge that the SEALs had been on specific instruction to kill, not capture, bin Laden. Even if Israel, a state that sees nothing wrong with summary executions, had not done Americans the favor of disclosing premeditation, our logic tells us it could not have been otherwise. SEALs represent the ultimate indisciplined warriors. They would never take it upon themselves to summarily execute a man of bin Laden's importance to say nothing of killing his son and two couriers who would presumably know a lot about the field activities of al-Qaeda and be valuable prisoners. They were not under threat and their acts had to have been authorized. Have no doubt it was a premeditated execution raid. Let us make it clear, killing bin Laden was wrong because murder is always wrong. That is Christ following that is Islam. That is civilization. No wonder Americans are puzzled. I was asked to explain this at a social gathering where political questions are normally taboo. Students told me their high school mates have talked of nothing else and their teachers offer little in the way of understanding. Worse yet, their churches offer no comfort after ten days in which to contemplate what we have been told, I observe with sadness that no nationally prominent celebrity Christian theologian has publicly objected to the raid on moral grounds based on Jesus' words. Sadly, many have justified the summary executions. Their lack of protest 
is the most disturbing aspect of the massacre in Abbottabad. Who, if not America's church leaders, should be outraged at the execution? Are they not the voice from within for morality and justice? Do they not stand on Jesus' works of love, justice, forgiveness, honor, and respect for life, including the lives of our enemies? Do our quote-unquote Christian leaders fail to believe their own words that God breathes life into every soul and it is up to him to take it away? Do they deny their own words that every man can repent and be redeemed if God wills it and that it is therefore their job to love and seek and to reclaim all men? Yes, they fail to stand for Christian justice and then they use fragments of scripture ripped from its context to justify the acts of the SEAL team and those who commanded them. What are leaders feared most about bin Laden was that he was religious in a secular world and he, unlike Saddam Hussein and Israeli leaders, was willing to commit himself to his religion sacrificially without reservation. That is why he died as he did, executed in an austere home and dumped into the sea so he would be less likely to be an example of commitment to others. Bin Laden could hardly have been feared physically, for he was known to be in a degenerated physical state. This is probably the reason we are denied photos of the corpse. I, for one, do not believe the quote-unquote too gruesome story. Many, including this author, thought he was already dead in 2001. His funeral reported on Fox News and never retracted. Bin Laden was believed terminally ill for years, and at age 55 or so, his body probably resembled someone 30 years older, or more than likely, hardly capable of commanding a warring organization. Our government simply executed a committed spiritual leader of a movement to avoid having to try him for his alleged crimes, as should have been its goal. I resist calling bin Laden, quote-unquote, misguided, not because I judge his faith against mine, but because our own spiritual leaders are even more misguided than him. Lest anyone think that this author is a Johnny-come-lately opportunist at the American Spiritual Wake, I quote myself from a paper published three days after day 9-11-2001, before bin Laden was blamed, and before there was a war in Afghanistan. Already our ignoble congressmen are calling for escalation of the war against the innocent population of the yet-to-be-named Arab countries. They are only waiting for a few scraps of proof that Arabs are involved in bombing the World Trade Center. The news talk is already turning to retaliation. But this will not end the matter. It will only make it worse. It will also work to hide the crimes of our political leaders who brought this terrible retribution on unfortunate and unsuspecting Americans on day 9-11. There is one simple conclusive way to end acts of war against our civilian population, wrongly called quote-unquote terrorism. We must end our own acts of war against Arab populations and 
for that matter, against all other people who are not our immediate concern. We cannot do this without stopping all aid of any kind to Israel, Egypt, and any other countries. And if financial aid is being given to the Palestine Liberation Army, PLO, or any other Arab group, this too must be stopped. If Americans were involved in the bombings on day 9-11, there are legal means to deal with them, and this should be done. But continuing to kill and starve the mothers and children of Arabs in other countries, as our government has done in the past, will simply convince the world that they are correct about the great bully and ensure that Americans will again have to pay for the evil acts of our government. Charles E. Carlson, September 13, 2001. Restoring the dream of a faith-based American state must start where it was lost, in our churches. Most are now simply profit-making corporations with not-for-profit licenses that provide flimsy excuses not to practice Jesus' teachings. Every person who wonders what happened in Abbottabad should realize we are witnessing the fall of an anti-Christian empire, our own. We should each announce to our church in an open letter to the congregation that we withhold 90% of our support until the church leaders find a way to be peacemakers. I speak from experience. It is too easy just to leave. In the next message, we will critically examine the fragments of Scripture ripped from its context that American church leaders have used to justify the execution of Osama bin Laden and many other bad causes. Thank you, Leslie. That was an excellent piece, Chuck. And when I read the title and then started reading in the in the piece uh, about the fall of the anti-Christian empire, I immediately thought of the man Garrett Garrett, who wrote a piece in 1953. We've talked about this before on one of our broadcasts. It was entitled Rise of Empire. And Garrett Garrett had been the one of the editors of the Saturday Evening Post in the 40s. So he was a prominent newspaper man. And he made the observation in 1953 that the United States had become a empire. And the question, he compared this to the Roman Republic and the ensuing empire in Rome. And, of course, he drew comparisons between the two. But it is interesting how low we are sinking in our empire status. And, of course, as we know, we're in financial dire straits all along with these kind of events and these actions that we're taking against our supposed enemies. Chuck, would you like to comment on your article? Well, we've been waiting, as I said, before we wrote this, we waited to see what the churches had to say. And we did publish one on Heralded News that gives a, a by uh, an AP release that was entitled, Ben Laden's Death is a Tough Subject for the Pulpit. And in this kind of a lengthy story by the Associated Press, they pointed out that some pastors were having a rather hard time with it, others were having a great time with it. 
and uh, they quoted uh, a few people, and uh, one was a Reverend James Martin, who was a Jesuit priest, and they quoted him as saying, no matter how monstrous a person is, as a Christian, I am asked to pray for him and at some point forgive him. That's just about as strong as any of the pastors they quoted. They did quote one layman named Chuck Esser, whoever he is, who was at a Quaker meeting. He came closest to what we said. He said he understood the relief at bin Laden's death. Everyone, of course, does. His own nephew was injured in the world New York attack and had to be pulled from the rubble. But he said he wishes that the terror leader had been captured and put on trial. This is the first one, the only one of these leaders who ever pointed out that our government was dead wrong in just killing him when a trial, of course, is so much needed and when we were calling for a trial eight years ago. And he goes on to say, it's very strange for our country to be celebrating assassinations, he said. He said, Bin Laden embodies a lot of evil things, but our response is not in the tune of the best tradition of our country and our God. This layman's words were the best words that the Associated Press was able to find. And none of the good words came from the dispensational or Christian Zionist-type churches. They did quote one pastor, Reverend David Howard, who shouted his approval, according to the Associated Press, in a sense, from outside his church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he put up a sign that said, Obama bin Laden... Satan and the final victory of Jesus. This is the marquee over the church. So this is the implication of Jesus, the warrior with a gun, there with the seals gunning down Osama bin Laden. This is more the Christian Zionist approach. They'd like to actually picture Jesus as part of the assault team. Hardly, <laughs> hardly a Christian response. Yes. Uh, Mark Horton today, who we'll be hearing from later, did tell me that he wanted to let me know that there was a well-known Church of Christ pastor who took a positive position on this that he thought would. There are a few church leaders that do see this, but not very many. And, of course, most of them don't want to speak out. Uh, An additional article here that kind of reinforces all this because of the hatred towards Muslims, the conditioning, particularly in the evangelical churches, the fear from Muslims and so forth. This is a piece by Chris Hedges in truthdig.org. It's entitled, Your Taxes Fund Anti-Muslim Hatred. And he talks about the Republican nomination for presidency, and there's uh, several of the candidates that he mentions here that employ routinely uh, hate talk against Muslims. But, But he goes on, and this is, an interesting a cadre of right-wing institutions that peddle themselves as counter-terrorism specialists and experts on the Muslim world has been indoctrinating thousands of police, intelligence, and military personnel in nationwide seminars. These seminars run by organizations such as Security Solutions International, the Center for Counterintelligence and Security Studies, and so forth. Uh, Much of the indoctrination within the law enforcement community is funded under two grant programs for training, the State Homeland Security Program and Urban Area Security Initiative, which made $1.6 billion available to states in 2010. 
the seminars preach that Islam is a terrorist religion, that an Islamic, quote-unquote, fifth column, or, quote-unquote, self-jihad is subverting the United States from, from within, that mainstream American Muslims have ties to terrorist groups, that Muslims use litigation, free speech, and other legal means, something the trainers have nicknamed lawfare, to advance the subversive Muslim agenda and that the goal of Muslims in the United States is to replace the Constitution with Islamic or Sharia law. And we've all heard this. Now, it's interesting, a little bit further on down, the effects of this campaign of racial hatred are being felt throughout the Muslim community. Those with Muslim names are routinely harassed at airports, and many who wear traditional Muslim dress report mounting cases of verbal and sometimes physical abuse. Muslim children endure taunts in school and so forth. Now here's something really interesting because we know firsthand from our experience here in Phoenix, Arizona, he goes on in his article, there is now an industry of well-funded hate mongers producing seminar courses and books on Islam. Walid Shubat gives a presentation titled The Jihad Mindset and How to Defeat It why we will kill you. Shubat, who bills himself as a reformed terrorist and who speaks to law enforcement officials around the country, tells his listeners that mainstream Muslim organizations such as the Islamic Society of North America and the Council on Arab American Islamic Relations are terrorist fronts and that Islamists are by nature violent extremists and pedophiles. Shubat, like most of the other reformed Muslims trotted out to speak at these events has embraced fundamentalist Christianity. He denounces Islam as a religion of the Antichrist. Shubat is scheduled to be one of the feature speakers Wednesday at the second annual South Dakota Homeland Security Conference in Rapid City, sponsored by the South Dakota Department of Public Safety. And then he goes on, there's some more uh, there. But from our experience, we actually held a protest when he came to speak uh, at our church here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And part of our preparation in our research, which he doesn't point out here, but we found out, according to a very thorough investigation by the Jerusalem Post, an Israeli Jewish publication, that Walid Shubat was a fraud, claimed to have participated in bombing a bank in Israel, and there were no records. They could find no records of the bomb, of the bank being bombed. In fact, he left when he was 16 year old with his mother, so he may have had some involvement with some people, but his story has been bolstered by these outright deceptions. And so we're seeing this kind of activity where the evangelical Christians, and I know there were about 600 people of my fellow followers of Christ, as they claim to be, uh, at this event, hanging on every word of what he said. And this kind of deception certainly fans the flames of hatred towards Muslims. Yes. Well, it's going to become even worse. And, and, and imagine an organization that supposedly is an investigative organization of police, and they sponsor people on their stage who are known frauds who are telling stories that are on the surface untrue and have been proven to be untrue. Uh, and the Homeland Security can't see through this guy who they're sponsoring with our money. 
Well, talk about mass deception. We've been so deceived in this war on terror that, of course, the bottom line, as he points out later on, is that we're going to be uh, expanding these these efforts in the homeland security, and their budgets are getting bigger. There's something like, according to his article, there are we now have 854,000 people working in our domestic security apparatus and 800,000 more employed as police and emergency personnel. National law is being turned into an instrument of overt repression against a religious minority. But, of course, if most people will uh, look into Chris Hedges, they'll say, oh, he's a liberal. So you can't believe a liberal. And that's part of this conditioning by people that the conservatives think that liberals can't tell the truth and the liberals think the conservatives can't tell the truth. But I think there's some on both sides that can tell the truth. The $64 question is, what about discernment? You know, We need some discernment on what they're saying and so forth, and what he's saying is absolutely correct. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.